Hello and welcome. So glad to have you back with us for our reading of Nicholas the Bringer by Sean Connelly. If you recall, we left off where Nicholas was going back to his friends in the mountains to see if they might be able to make some playthings, and that's exactly what this chapter is entitled. For this is chapter 5, entitled Playthings. The ride back to the mountains was a welcome diversion, and Nicholas felt the oppressive sting of Krampus cruelly Cruelty gradually left as he rode higher and further into the trees of the forest. After a long, steady ride, Nicholas entered a familiar-looking stand of large cedars. He was sure he was in the right place, but there was no evidence of the Elfarim, or anyone for that matter. He was perplexed, and wondered if he had made the whole thing up in his delirium after being wounded. But then, how was the arrow removed and his wound so completely healed that it left no scar? As much as he wanted to deny it, Nicholas knew there was some force at work here that he could not explain nor understand. He only hoped the Elfarim were not part of some dream, for he certainly knew nothing about making playthings for children. And if he failed to return with a sack full of toys, how could he show his face to Rachel or Abe again? Nicholas dismounted and searched the trees. He had to find the Elfarim. Yet as he carefully looked this way and that, he found nothing. A cool breeze blew through the grove, causing the trees to sway as they spread the scent of evergreen through the landscape. Finally, Nicholas caught sight of several reindeer grazing in a small clearing. He led Apollo by the reins and walked toward the herd of grazing deer. His approach startled the deer, and one by one their heads popped up, staring at him. As he drew closer, the deer moved as a team and surrounded a grand old cedar. Each animal lowered their antlers toward Nicholas as if to charge, with Dunder and Blixem at the front. Dunder pawed the ground, and Blixem's antlers sparked as blue electric current danced around the points. I see you remember me, Nicholas said. He took a deep breath and sighed, readying himself for whatever came next. At least there was no one there to scoff at him if the Elfarim turned out to be nothing more than a mountain mirage. Hello, Nicholas said as his voice echoed through the trees. Anyone there? It is I, Nicholas, the, uh, bringer. Saying the title felt strange, but he hoped it would provoke a response of some kind. Still nothing. How could he get their attention? Then he knew, and a mischievous smirk spread across his face. Nicholas walked toward the deer with determination. Dunder pawed the ground in warning. Nicholas continued his approach until Dunder finally raised up and came down with both hooves. A thunderous boom flashed outward, knocking Nicholas to the ground and toppling Apollo. Nicholas grinned in triumph. It was exactly what he wanted. A rumbling from beneath followed, and one by one stone steps recessed into the ground until they revealed the door to the Elfarim's underground warren. Ben bolted out the door carrying a wooden staff in an irritable attitude. He leapt up the steps, past the protective ring of deer, and spun his staff from side to side in a threatening display. Finally, he brought the staff to a sudden stop inches from Nicholas' face. You see, Ben said, lording over Nicholas like a predator, even the deer sense you are not Alpharim. And here I thought you missed me, brother, Nicholas said with a grin. Nicholas relished rubbing it in. Part of him wondered if Ben would ever accept him, but the mischievous part of him enjoyed annoying the little man. Ben glared at him as the other Alpharim poured out of the warren, surrounding Nicholas with far more enthusiastic attitudes. 
I knew you would return, Jeremiah said. You knew, Nicholas said. How is that? I had no idea I would ever return, or if you truly existed. You are a brother of Elvarim, Caleb said. This is where you belong. Not according to Ben, Nicholas said. He does not believe I am your brother. There are many things Ben does not believe, Jeremiah said, glaring at Ben, even when he sees them with his own eyes. Someone has to protect us from... Ben trailed off as a warm smile crept off his face, up his face. Where is he? Ben asked in a strangely pleasant voice. Who? Caleb said with delight. Cupid, such a nice reindeer. Would you please take the beast away? N not until you, you promise to behave, Daniel said, his face etched with concern as he brought Cupid around to face Ben. I promise, Ben said with pleading eyes, anything. I only wish to be nice. Very well, Jeremiah said. He nodded, and Daniel led Cupid away at his bidding. Ben breathed a sigh of relief as if he'd been in pain. A scowl returned to his face, but one look from Jeremiah, and he held his tongue and stomped back down into the steps of the warren. Having felt the effects of Cupid himself, Nicholas was stunned. He'd never felt such an overpowering love in all his life, and he liked it. He did not have a single ill feeling toward Ben. It was if the capacity for anger and hatred had left his mind and body altogether. Are you well? Caleb asked as he gave Nicholas a hand up. Better than well, Nicholas said, still stunned by what he felt. What was that? That was Cupid. All the deer have astonishing gifts, Jeremiah explained. However, to me, Cupid's gift is most potent, especially around those that need a bit of encouragement. Speaking of encouragement, Nicholas said, I have need of your skills and craftsmanship, all of you. At your service, Jeremiah said as he and the other men bowed. I need playthings, Nicholas said. The men looked at each other in confusion and then back at Nicholas. For the children of Sidon, below to warm their hearts and give them hope. And thus the hand of providence is revealed, Jeremiah announced to the men with a hint of excitement and I told you so attitude. Will you help me, Nicholas asked, somewhat confused at the response. Gladly, brother, Amos said. Follow me. Amos led the charge as Nicholas followed the elf ream down into the warren. This time he managed to avoid smacking his head on the low arches and lanterns that lit the living quarters and the great hall as they crossed into the cedar-lined earthen passageways toward the treasury. But instead of stopping at the door of the treasury, they went even further to yet another door. Once again, Jeremiah pulled the large brass ring of keys from his coat and inserted one into the lock. Metallic gears of the door melodically sang out just like the treasury room, as they rolled back the bolt and released the door. As before, Nicholas smiled at the ingenuity of the musical mechanism. Welcome to the workshop, Jeremiah declared. Unlike the treasury, this room was thick with a familiar scent of smoke and metal that burnt your nostrils. And yet to Nicholas, this was a breath of fresh air. The last time he smelled this, he was in the Magi blacksmith shop with Hussam. Enos and Amos quickly circulated through the darkness with their lanterns to light the hanging lamps around the room. 
As the light grew, Nicholas saw this room had a forge with a bellows at one end, much like the one Hussam used. The rest of the room was lined with shelves full of curious playthings, as he had seen in the treasury, but in various stages of completion. Below the shelves sat the workbenches littered with metal wheels of all sizes, tools, brushes, and bottles filled with bright colors. Unbelievable, Nicholas gasped. Well, we have had a lot of time on our hands, Caleb said. This is all so marvelous, Nicholas said, delighted as he stepped toward the shelves of the finished toys that glistened and beckoned to be played with. There were balls, dolls, toy horses with chariots, and a strange group of miniature wagons overlaid with brass sitting on metal rails. Then he saw another toy, like the one that had been in the treasury, the one with miniature animals with metal sticks through the middle of each creature arranged around a circular platter with a roof that looked like the top of a tree. It filled him with heartwarming, childlike wonder. Do you like it? Amos said. Very much, Nicholas said. What does it do? We call it a wheel of wonders, Enos said as he produced a brass key and wound the mechanism. It plays music like your locket, as the wheel turns. As the platter turned, a bright and happy tune played, while the brightly painted animals revolved around moving up and down, as if they were leaping. It was spellbinding. Never had Nicholas beheld toys such as these. You must teach me to make such things, he, Nicholas eagerly pleaded. We would be honored to teach you, Enos said. You cannot teach him, Ben said, entering the room. Ye must learn from a master, and ye are apprentice smiths. Tis true, Jeremiah conceded. Then who can teach me? Nicholas asked. Ben crossed his arms and smiled like he was king of the mountain. Why is he smiling? Ben is the only master smith among us, Caleb replied as he scowled at Ben. He alone can teach ye the craft. If I feel like it, Ben said. If you feel like it, Caleb said, that is not according to the code of the masters, and you know it. Brother, you sound like you need a visit from Cupid, Ben said mockingly. How can we all work together in harmony if you raise your voice like that? Caleb looked like he was ready to beat Ben, and Ben just smiled in triumph. The shoe was on the other foot, and he relished it. Then Ben turned to Nicholas. <clears throat> Such a temper, Ben said. So... Will you teach me? Ben asked, uh, Nicholas asked tentatively. Ben paused, brushing his fingers across his beard as he considered the request. I may, Ben said at last, but you must do everything I ask of ye. Must I? Nicholas asked, turning to the other man. It is the way of the Master Smith, Jeremiah said. Nicholas reluctantly turned back to Ben. As you wish, so shall I do. Master Smith, Ben said. Master Smith, Nicholas said. Ben motioned for him to bow. And Nicholas was not fond of this game, but he wanted to learn, so he complied and bowed. Good boy, Ben said with a smile as he handed Nicholas a small axe. Now, go gather some firewood. This forge needs a lot of heat if we're to make... Playthings. <laughs> ben chuckled at the last word, teasing Nicholas. As you wish, Nicholas said. So shall I do. Ben cocked his head in response. 
Master Smith, Nicholas said with gritted teeth as he bowed and left the room. Climbing the steps out of the warren, Nicholas searched for the nearest piece of fallen or dead timber he could obliterate. Ben's taunting had pushed him over the edge, and he needed something to sink his axe into. The deer must have sensed his mood, for they actually cleared away from him as he stormed into the forest. He needed no lessons on forging metal. Hussam had taught him how to smith. Part of him wished he'd never promised the toys to Abe and Rachel. Still, he was fascinated by the creations of the Elfarim, and if he had to learn by being Ben's personal servant, then he would do whatever it took. He just hoped he could suppress the desire to strangle the little man long enough to master the craft. Channeling all his pent-up anger and frustration, Nicholas chopped several fallen logs to splinters. As his fury dissipated, he cut the rest of the wood into manageable bundles and carried them back into the warren, just as the sun dipped below the horizon. All the Ephraim were gathered in the workshop, intently building, painting, and constructing various toys. Ben pumped the bellows with his feet and pulled a thick stick of glowing metal from the forge with a pair of tongs. What kind of plaything is that? Nicholas said as he approached. Ben turned to him and motioned. Ben realized what he wanted and grudgingly added, Master Smith. You're learning, Ben said with relish. This, my apprentice, is no plaything. It'll be a fine weapon when I'm done with it. I thought you were teaching me to make playthings. I will, as soon as you crush that pile of ore. Ben pointed to a pile of green rocks in the corner next to a large stone mortar and pestle. <coughs> and make a crucible. You will need to find some clay outside for that. Uh, any questions? Nicholas was speechless. Ben handed him the stone pestle. Good. Now make haste, uh, unless you wish to quit, Ben beamed with antagonism. Not a chance, Nicholas said, looking him in the eye and fearlessly taking the challenge. Master Smith. Nicholas walked over to the pile of rocks. He looked around at the other men who were actively making toys. Is this not fun? Enos said, smiling for all he was worth as he pulled up a stool for Nicholas to sit on. Oh yes, fun. Nicholas replied, smiling big for Ben to see as he crushed a rock with force in the mortar. The blow started every man in the room and sent rock fragments flying in every direction, including on Ben. All eyes were on Nicholas. Ben told me to do it. Ben retaliated and slammed his hammer down on the glowing metal, sending a shower of sparks in Nicholas' direction. Ow! Nicholas yelled as he jumped to dodge the sparks. Get to work, apprentice! Ben chided. Yes, Master Smith, Nicholas replied with mock respect. Though at first he thought it was all for show, all the men appeared to be truly happy as they constructed their toys. The mood was contagious, and before long Nicholas had forgotten he was an apprentice. As he crushed ore and then made clay crucibles, Nicholas felt lighter and more joyful than he had since he was a child. He checked twice to see if Cupid had been brought into the workshop, but the feeling was real and he was savoring it. When he completed his task, Ben did finally teach Nicholas how to make golden brass, a metal they used for much of their metal work inside the toys in their music boxes. Most of the mechanisms worked by tightening a coil of metal with a key, and as the coil unwound, it turned a series of wheels with teeth that connected to other wheels to move parts of the plaything. Even knowing how it worked, Nicholas was still mesmerized by the movement of the toys. 
Though he had not really made any toys yet, the rest of the men made more than enough for the children of Sidon that night. Nicholas could hardly wait to bring his treasures to Abe and see the delight on his face, especially when he saw the Wheel of Wonders. Early the next morning, Nicholas loaded a large sack with as many toys as would fit. As he exited the warren, he could see his breath in the cool morning air, something he rarely experienced in Parthia. The men followed him out to bid him farewell as he loaded the sack on Apollo. Oh, that I could see the faces of the children as they receive our gifts, Amos remarked as they walked over to Apollo. Then you should come with me, Nicholas said. Abe and I could use the help, and the children would be delighted to. It is forbidden, Jeremiah interrupted. Ben insists we travel only by night, lest evil befall us. And on this point we all agree. Do we not, Amos? He looked sternly at Amos, who nodded in half-hearted agreement. Jeremiah turned back to Nicholas. For now, we shall look forward to your return and your tales of newfound hope and happiness, Jeremiah said. Ben rolled his eyes in disbelief. Oh, they will be happy the moment they see your creations, Nicholas said as he climbed into the saddle atop Apollo. Well, when can we expect your return, Daniel said. As soon as I run out of toys, Nicholas said. Apollo, on to glory! Nicholas gave the horse a gentle kick and they galloped away. The cold wind rushed through his hair, making him shiver. Soon he would need a winter cloak and a fur-lined cap like the men of Alpharim. Perhaps they would make him one. After all, he was a brother. The ride to Sidon was uneventful and yet strangely peaceful. A few times Nicholas swore he saw one of the reindeer trailing behind him, but after doubling back and checking, he realized it was just his imagination. Part of him wished they could have come with him, though he realized that small man riding deer might draw unwanted attention to his delivery. No, he had to slip into town undetected, especially if they were to deliver the gifts without Krampus and his soldiers finding out. As Nicholas approached the city gate, he slowed, lowered his head, and looked down. From the corner of his eye, he could see one of the gate soldiers scrutinizing his load. You there, halt, the soldier called. Nicholas pulled up and stopped. What manner of deception are you trying to practice now? Uh, deception, Nicholas said, keeping his head down. Sir, I... Turning his head away from the soldiers, he discovered a skinny man with a scraggly beard and a staff doing a poor job of hiding from the soldiers behind Apollo's hindquarters. The man raised his finger to his lips to get Nicholas to keep quiet. Not you, idiot, the soldier said to Nicholas. That fool behind you. Suddenly aware his deception was not working, the skinny man darted away from Apollo and rushed through the gate as fast as he could. After him, the soldier said. Both soldiers scrambled after the man, leaving Nicholas a bit perplexed, but happy he was not the object of their chase. Breathing a big sigh of relief, Nicholas rode through the unmanned gate and headed toward the market. He was anxious to deliver the toys before anyone could alert Krampus or his soldiers. With the coast clear... Amos and Enos raced up on their deer and dismounted, scrambling to the abandoned gate. Good thing we took the bells off, Enos said. Twas good, brother, Amos said, feeling nervous. Though I cannot believe we are doing this. What of the deer? Ah, they will come when we call, Enos said as he shooed the deer away and the riderless animals darted back the way they came. If Jeremiah finds out... We only came to give him the gifts and return, Enos said. What harm is there in that? 
After all, we did travel in the shadows of the trees most of the way, which is somewhat like night. You speak truth, brother. Ben cannot fault us if we stick to the shadows. Then let us make haste before we lose him. The two little men scurried to the nearest alley, their backs to the wall as they kept their eyes on Nicholas and tried to keep a low profile. Certain they were undetected, they darted to the cover of the nearest pool of shadows they could find as they followed Nicholas through the town. Unaware of his followers, Nicholas rode into the market area at a gentle pace. Hearing a commotion not far from him, he turned to investigate. Come back here, you little thieves! a voice yelled. Simon and a pack of street children were running in a jumbled chaos from a hot-faced, portly baker. Simon stumbled, and the baker swooped down on him like a hawk after its prey, grabbing him by the back of his ragged tunic. Caught you last, you screech scum! the baker proudly announced. Time for a little justice. Marcus, watch the cart! Marcus, a well-fed teen standing by the cart, was clearly satisfied by the turn of events. Gladly, Marcus said. While the baker dragged a struggling Simon down the road, Marcus snuck a piece of flatbread and stuffed it into his mouth before anyone noticed, except Nicholas. The boy grinned with pleasure at his deception. Furious at the injustice of the situation, Nicholas rode up and blocked the baker's march. Where are you taking that boy, Nicholas said. None of your business, the baker said. Now get out of the way. The baker tried to walk past, but Nicholas moved Apollo and blocked him again. And if I don't, then my friends down at the garrison can take care of you as well. At that moment, Amos and Enos arrived on the scene and slipped under a rug merchant's cart while the owner was distracted by the drama on the street. Only their little curled-toe shoes stuck out as they too watched what was unfolding. Sizing up the situation, Nicholas leaned over and dropped his sack of playthings to the ground. Calmly, he pulled an arrow from his quiver and drew his bow, pointing it at the baker in a semi-threatening fashion. Now, <clears throat> let's start over. I say, what are you doing with this boy? And you say... The baker instantly understood the threat and straightened up to face Nicholas, looking very displeased. Slowly, he answered... Boy is a thief. Did you see him take anything? My bread is missing, and he ran. What else do I need to know? I see. Accused now, ask questions later. Over the baker's shoulder, Nicholas spotted Marcus, discreetly stealing another piece of flatbread. In a split second, he pulled the bow back, the baker falling to the ground in fear, and fired at the baker's cart nailing the sleeve of Marcus' robe to the cart with a fresh piece of flat bread in his clutches. The baker turned to see his son struggling to pull free of the arrow. Now, that looks like a thief, Nicholas said. The gathered market crowd laughed as Nicholas smiled in triumph. It felt good to deliver some justice. Seeing the truth, the baker released his grip on Simon and the boy scrambled behind Nicholas for cover. Take the boy if you like, the baker said indignantly. Then, as if to make up for his error, he vented his anger in the opposite direction. Marcus, you liar! Marcus' eyes went wide as he saw his father coming after him. Panicked, he ripped his robe and stumbled away. Come back here, boy! The baker said with a raised fist. Nicholas chuckled at the sight, but when he turned back to Simon, the boy was already running off. Simon, wait, Nicholas said. I have something for you. 
Simon stopped for a moment as Nicholas dismounted and pulled a toy chariot painted in dazzling colors out of his sack. For me, Nicholas, Simon asked, filled with awe. Oh, so wonderful. Nicholas pulled one more toy chariot from the sack and handed it to Simon. And one for your brother, too. From Father Abraham. Oh, thank you, sir, Simon exclaimed, hugging the treasures to his chest as he looked back and forth at both of them. But you must promise me one thing, Nicholas said as he held Simon by the shoulders. Simon looked up with rapt attention. Have fun. A smile as grand as life flashed across the boy's face. Nicholas grinned practically matched it as the boys skipped down the street in joy. And stay away from that baker. Looking around, Nicholas realized he had an audience. He smiled politely, grabbed his sack, and mounted Apollo, riding off to find aid before he was spotted by Krampus or his cohorts. Well done, brother, well done! Amos quietly commented with delight from his vantage point underneath the rug merchant's cart. Amos and Enos looked at each other and smiled with satisfaction. We should return, Enos said. Agreed, Amos said heartily. Slowly, the little man crawled out from under the cart and came face to face with a spear. Then another, held by two soldiers. Standing beside the soldiers, grinning wickedly, was Krampus. The little men put their hands up in surrender, smiling sheepishly. Oh, I believe the senator will be quite entertained by these tiny freaks. Take them away, Krampus said. He chuckled wickedly as the soldiers seized the bewildered Elfarim and forcefully dragged them by the back of their tunics. He then turned his attention to Nicholas, who disappeared down a side street. With a determined look, Krampus mounted his own steed and stalked his prey. And that is the end of the first half of Chapter 5 of Nicholas the Bringer by Sean Canelli. I do hope you've enjoyed it and have been enjoying the readings. But remember, until next time, be strong, be kind, and share the hope.